What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. That's H-A-W-G sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to talk Razorback freshmen. We're really going to get into how everybody's doing among the freshmen. Also going to talk, of course, about the quarterback battle, break down some things with a recent player transfer, and really just get into all this fall camp stuff. So we'll jump into that, talk a little bit of recruiting. Pete Roulier is going to join us as well. All that and more on Hogsports Live. All right, I want to go ahead and encourage everybody to go ahead and get your questions in for me and Pete. We'll be sure to answer those here as those get built up. And uh, also, I want to remind you to like, share, follow, and comment if you haven't done so already. Go ahead and give us a thumbs up if you like the content that we produce at Hog Sports Live. There's plenty of ways to watch and listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to throw us five stars and a review. If you're watching on Facebook Live, throw us that thumbs up now. If you're watching on YouTube, throw us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel and hit that notifications bell so you're notified anytime that we uh, have a new video. Obviously, elephant in the room, we'll go ahead and get into this, but Giovanni LaFrance has entered the transfer portal, Hog Sports. We broke that last night around 7.15, I guess. Uh, but Giovanni LaFrance is in the transfer portal. And it's a loss, a big loss or not a big loss, depending on how you look at it. You know, Giovanni was running with the fourth group last we saw him yesterday, running with the fourth group at, at, at inside linebacker at Mike. And so – in that sense, it's not a huge loss. It is a loss in the sense that this is physically probably the best-looking linebacker. I mean, when you go out there, if you just pointed to guys and you said, who are your starting linebackers, you'd, just, you'd probably pick LaFrance. So uh, I think there was a lot of hope that he was going to emerge and um, you know end up having a, a, a good year, maybe like an Armand Watts type of deal where, like, you know, it's redshirt junior year, you've been in the system for a while, he's always had injury issues. Uh, but you could obviously see this one coming down the pipe uh, with him being fourth team and, and not making a move yet. But it is surprising to see that before the scrimmage that he would pop up on the uh, on the transfer portal. So Giovanni LaFrance, it doesn't mean he's gone, but it does mean he's in the transfer portal. That puts Arkansas at, at 79 total scholarships, and that's including Traylon Burke – or excuse me, that's including Traylon Smith and Luke Jones, who as of now are supposed to be blue shirt candidates as far as I can tell uh, and counting ahead to next year, but they still have two scholarships remaining for the last class. So where does that go? Does it go to Sam Loy? Sam Loy, speaking of transfers, Sam Loy may be the most underrated transfer, underappreciated transfer right now at Arkansas. I mean, this kid is booming punts, which is fantastic to see. It's, it's fantastic to see a, a punt turnover because special teams were such a big issue last year. Such a big issue when you consider uh, how things started. Now, towards the middle end of the year, they got things figured out, but special teams was never a weapon for them. Okay, They were never like using special teams to help them win games. Not that they won a lot of games, but you know what I mean. Um, if they got a punt off, it was just okay, average to below average. There was never just like a booming punt that rolled and flipped the field. Um, you know, obviously gave up a lot of long returns early in the year and got some of that stuff figured out. But generally, like I said, it was never a weapon. I think they're going to be better on special teams. And I think part of that also is putting a lot on the back burner. And now maybe not intentionally, but with a new offensive system and so much going in, new defense, all that stuff, you could almost see how special teams would get put on the back burner a little bit last year as they wanted to get everybody acclimated to the offense and, and get that going. Um, so you could kind of see that. But there has been a big emphasis in camp on special teams, obviously. Some of the guys returning, uh, Traylon Burke, so I'd love to see it, punt return, and we'll get into Traylon a little bit later. Um, Deion Stewart's working there, TQ Jackson, Kendall Catalan, who's the brother of, of Jalen Catalan. 
so those are the guys working punt return. I think you're in good hands with Debbie and Warren at kickoff return. And then um, really it's just about covering better. I mean, doing a better job covering. So hopefully they get that short up. Barry Lunny Jr. is the special teams coordinator now. Didn't have that title last year. Uh, so, yeah, Giovanni LaFrance leaving. And uh, Sam Loy's been a, a welcome addition, I think. All right, Arkansas released the 2020 football schedule. This is going to be the seventh year in a row that Arkansas will open SEC play away from Fayetteville. The seventh year in a row. A bit of a competitive disadvantage. You want to talk about a real competitive disadvantage, and we knew this was coming because of the way that they were structuring things with the Little Rock game. So the Texas A&M game and – let's see, no, that's this year. Never mind. This year it works well. Okay, sorry. Thinking ahead too far. So 2019 is the competitive disadvantage year because you only have two SEC games in Fayetteville this year. Only two because the Missouri game's in Little Rock and you're the home team in Arlington. So not a lot of SEC teams dealing with that. Most of them get four of them at home. Arkansas only gets two. But next year it straightens out. It's not an advantage. It just gets normal again because Texas A&M is the away game. Uh, and I'm speaking of 20, 2020. And uh, Missouri is in, uh, in in Columbia. So 2020 schedule opened with Kent State, then that Notre Dame game. That's going to be a big one. Obviously, I think a lot of Arkansas fans are going to travel to that one. I mean, how often do you get a chance to go uh, to Notre Dame and watch a football game? So that'll be a big one on September 12th. Then you open SEC play the next weekend at Mississippi State. Not necessarily an ideal situation there. You'd rather have more of an easier opponent between those two. Uh, then you get Texas A&M and Arlington. I mean, jumping right into it, jumping right into it. Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Arlington. Weeks two, three, and four, and then you get Charleston Southern. Southern, and then your first SEC game in Fayetteville is not till October 10th against Alabama. And then the next weekend, October 17th, against LSU. So they kind of flipped the script on that. It was like, you you know, Arkansas would get LSU after the Alabama game, and now and now LSU gets Arkansas after the Alabama game. So um, then you get a bye week. Then you're at uh, Tennessee and Fayetteville. That'll be good. At Auburn, then Ole Miss and Fayetteville. So a nice little stretch there. UL Monroe, November 21st. It's way too late for a game like that. And then at Missouri. So that's the uh, – that's not my favorite – set up on a schedule. I like this year's schedule a lot just because, uh, I mean, you don't get the, the great home games and you lose the two games. But, you know, when you just talk about the balance of it, it, it breaks up a little better with the two bye weeks and stuff. So that's the schedule. Arkansas is also scheduled Rice for the 2021 season. They're going to play on September 4th, 2021. So old Southwest Conference rivalry renewed. Arkansas to take care of business in that one, though. All right, I want to jump into um, – Let's see, some post-practice stuff from yesterday. Okay, so first of all, we got the scrimmage on Saturday. I don't – as far as I know, we're not going to be allowed to go into the scrimmage. They haven't said anything specifically. They just said post-practice media availability in the spring. They really gave us about an hour to watch practices. You know, some of it was practice time, some of it was scrimmage time. But they gave us about an hour on Saturdays. I don't know if they're going to do that for the for fall camp. But uh, first big scrimmage coming up Saturday, and obviously everything is uh, – all eyes are going to be on the quarterback situation. And – you know, just from my sources within that have seen more practice than I have, and I've probably seen two and a half hours worth of practice. They give us 20 minutes. We get a little bit more than 20 minutes to watch practice every day. But from what I've seen, if you – like I was saying with Giovanni earlier, but if you were like to have the quarterbacks just up there throwing and you took somebody who didn't know anything about Arkansas and said, who's the starting quarterback, they would – all of them, nine out of ten times, would point to Nick Storkel. Um, the guy throws a very crisp spiral – 
every single time. I have not seen him throw a wobbly pass yet. And I've seen that from the other quarterbacks. Now the ball may be getting where it needs to go, like with Ben Hicks. But as far as just throwing darts, Starkle. So yesterday he was they were they had the quarterbacks doing some goal line stuff probably throwing from about ten yard line uh, maybe a little further back but um, you know throwing passes to the end zone and that's a tough pass because you want to put some zip on it but not too much and when you're in that in between is when things get a little tricky you know when you don't get the the right throwing motion you don't throw a tight spiral and most of the quarterbacks weren't most of them you get a little bit of like a little wobble at the end of the spiral but every single one of Starkle's pass and by every one I mean every single time it's just a laser every time guy's got a great arm uh, best arm best thrower since probably Ryan Mallett just in terms of no pressure just lot you know just standing there and throwing the ball in terms of being consistent, putting it in the exact same spot over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean with a live rush in his face. We have yet to see that, and that's why Saturday scrimmage is going to be so big. Now, they're not going to tackle these guys to the ground, but it's a big scrimmage to determine who's going to be the starting quarterback. I think everybody has the same idea. You know, Hicks has been a guy that's um, uh, played under Morris for three years at SMU, including a redshirt year. So two years as a starter at SMU under Morris and, um, you know, spent last year, you know, without him and then transferred to Arkansas, was able to go through spring drills and get really a head start in that regard, too, in terms of getting on the same page with some of these wide receivers. Uh, so he's got an advantage in that sense over Starkle and, you know, to a bigger degree, K.J. Jefferson, who I don't think is quite challenging for the starting job, but shows a lot of promise. I mean, K.J. looks pretty smooth out there in terms of running and, and has thrown some nice balls. He's also thrown some, you know, let some sail on him, too, but um, – I just think it's going to be a matter of time before it's before it's Starkle. We'll see. I mean, as I've said before, Danny Warfel didn't throw the prettiest ball in the world, okay? Uh, Tom Brady doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL. So it doesn't mean that Nick Starkle is the starting quarterback just because he throws the prettiest pass and he's the tallest quarterback, okay? Um, that's not what it means. But on the cuff, it just – it's pretty impressive. All right, freshman. Everybody loves talking about the freshman. Traylon Burks has flat out been impressive. Everybody got me here? Audio working good? I think we're good. So Traylon Burks has been extremely impressive. All right. There's no question about it. All right. Sorry. All right. I got it brought up here. Um, there was a big discussion. Was that Tuesday? My days get mixed up in camp because I, I'm always like, just tell me the date because I don't know the day. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Friday today. But uh, Tuesday he had a catch that everybody's talking about, apparently where he went up, caught the ball kind of behind him like uh, an Odell catch and, and went spinning to the ground the way it's been described. For some reason that hasn't come out. There was another uh, video that came out Wednesday of him making a similar type catch, I'm told, uh, where he went up, kind of reached back and, and pulled it down and uh, may have kept on going on that one. But Burks is looking good. And I didn't know how – you know, you, you feel like he's going to be great just because of everything he did in high school. And you know he has rare athleticism, 6'3", 223 pounds, to be able to play like that. Looks like a linebacker. I think the linebacker talk is – quieted down quite a bit because people are like, well, they're thin at linebacker. They got all these wide receivers. Why not put him there? But it's kind of like the McFadden to safety talk, if you ask me. Um, this guy's got incredible hands, incredible athleticism, and Arkansas needs studs at wide receiver. Okay, this is what Joe Fouché said. He reminds me of Julio, Julio Jones, with his size and his ease and how he can catch the ball in any position. So definitely it would be Traylon Burks that stands out among the freshmen. 
I didn't see the one-handed catch today, but I definitely saw some some of the saw the catch yesterday on film. At first, we thought he didn't catch it, but we watched it on another video and a better angle, and he grabbed it. That's why I say he reminds me of Julio. I've only seen Julio do something like that, and he's just a freshman. He's going to do some big things. Also, right now, Traylon Burks is running with the third team. That is not going to last very long. You can't keep that athleticism with the third group. And it's just a matter of time. I mean, it's just an acclimatization period. It's just, you know, we got to get these freshmen, you know, accustomed to running a college uh, practice, accustomed to running this offense, but you cannot keep that athleticism on the sideline much longer. Uh, so expect for him to move up uh, at least somewhere in the, in the top six. I mean, him and Trey Knox, among all the wide receivers, have really been, I think, the most impressive. Michael Woods has done some good things too. But when you talk about, you know, just the wow factor, Traylon Burks and uh, and Trey Knox both have been very impressive. Good to see from Traylon Burks. Because he is coming off the ACL tear. It doesn't look like it's affecting him. Another guy coming off an ACL tear, Jalen Catalan. This guy had two pick sixes already. Had a pick six yesterday and had a pick six two days before that both on John Stephen Jones, 5'10", 196, working with the third group at safety, at free safety and nickel. That's not going to happen much longer. I mean, it's it's just a matter of time for he's working with the second group. I think when they go to a dime package, my guess would be that it's going to be Gregory Brooks Jr. and uh, Jalen Catalan is the two extra D-backs. So um, I think Catalan is going to play a role for him. I'd like to see him get some punt return work. If you ever watched his video in high school, I mean, the guy – the guy has a knack for it, so wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, and this is, you know, several several players. You know, Dorian Gerald brought up, brought him up. Him and Greg Brooks both. Um, a lot of players brought up. You know, just how how strong he's been. Um, Joe Fouché is another one that brought up Jalen Catalan. So Jalen Catalan standing out. And I'll tell you another guy before I jump into because um, I, I don't. We did an article on both of those guys, but I haven't done one on Colin Clay. But man, just looking at Colin Clay, he goes about six five, two eighty five at defensive end. It's just like wow, this dude is huge. <laughs> I mean, I want to see him in full pads and go, you know, tackle somebody and get blocked and stuff. See what he, if he can help him this year. But man, just looking at the guys, it's just like there's there's a wow factor. We also had one on Mateo Soli, Soli solid through first six pra- practices and. I will say Dorian Gerald has been singing this kid's praises since the day spring football started uh, last, uh, well, it was that March? Was that March, I guess? So he's been singing his praise. By the way, Dorian Gerald looks fantastic, 261 pounds. He's lost almost 30 pounds. And then right next to him, McTelvin and Game has gained about 30 pounds. So they've, they've switched probably about 50 pounds uh, between them. They've gone the di- a different direction. But back to Mateo, um, comes off the ball extremely strong, uh, and really, Dorian will tell you, he'd like to say he's the best at getting to the quarterback, but he'll tell you that it's been Mateo Soli who's been pushing Gabe Richardson over there. Whether it's Gabe or Mateo Soli at that end spot, they're not going to play the defensive ends, ideally, more than 60% of the snaps. So it'll be 60-40, almost like a 1A, 1B type of thing with the second team. So, But Mateo Soli is going to be your at least your backup right end. And then probably um, Jamario Bell working over there behind Dorian Gerald, who Jamario looks fantastic right now. Looks really good. All right. Got a few th- other things. Uh, a lot of praise for Gregory Brooks Jr. Um, he's been balling, according to Joe Fouché. Malik Chavis did some good things. Malik, Malik had a really good uh, pass breakup the other day. Uh, Devin Bush, we know that Devin is pushing Jarquez McClellan for that starting left corner spot. Um, 
We mentioned Jalen Catalan, Torian Carter, and Enoch Jackson. There was a great video put out by the university the other day of Enoch Jackson and Marcus Miller going at it. And really, I thought it was kind of a stalemate. You know, Marcus got kind of pushed in the crowd. Who knows what his feet hit? But initially, Marcus gets the push on him, and then long-term, Enoch gets it. Um, you know, so but that was a, a great battle, I thought. you got to keep your feet moving. I think that's what ultimately cost Marcus Miller in that and running it, you know, running into the crowd a little bit. But you got to keep those legs driving. Two good-looking uh, defensive tackles there, along with Torian Carter, and then some big defensive ends. I mentioned with Colin Clay and Eric Gregory, who's been uh, who was in a walking boot yesterday. So talked about Trey Bur- uh, Traylon Burks and Trey Knox a little bit. Bo Limmer has been working at center, doing um, you know working mostly with the third group there at center. Ricky Stromberg, who was out, he's up to about 270 pounds. You know, he got a sickness, so he he lost some weight. Shouldn't have any – I mean, he was at 321 point in high school, so he shouldn't have any trouble putting on more weight. And Dylan Rathke was working at uh, right tackle with the second group yesterday. So, just a few things there on the, um, on the youngsters. Did I miss anybody? Let's see. Shamar Nash has done some good stuff. I wouldn't say that Shamar has quite stood out on the level that some of the other wide receivers have, and that's probably could say the same for TQ Jackson, although he's bigger than you know you think he is, even though he's listed at 6'4", 195. I'd say he's probably all of that. Uh, but those two guys have talent. I just think that we're maybe talking about a little bit different athlete, uh, and not that those guys aren't you know good athletes, but a little bit different athlete when you're talking about Traylon Burks and Trey Knox. Um, Hudson Henry's been out. He's had a head issue, so Hudson has been out. But, again, you know, he reminds me – he's not as big as C.J. O'Grady is right now. C.J. probably goes 250-something. I think Hudson's 240-something. Uh, but he reminds me a lot of C.J. O'Grady, especially when he, uh, he first arrived in terms of, you know, talent on the field. Two very similar players there. I think Hudson's going to help him. It doesn't help him missing time because it is a difficult position to learn. Amante Spivey has done some good things. I don't know that – I don't know that he's done anything that I would say makes him surpass the other guys. But, again, we haven't watched them tackle live. You know, or I've always said stuff that you can tell by a running back early, you know, our players just kind of bouncing off of him. And uh, we'll see that if that happens with Amante Spivey. Hopefully we'll get some live scrimmage action sometime before the season starts. K.J. Jefferson, as I mentioned earlier, throwing the ball very nicely. Um, you know, I thought that he had a little bit of a hitch in high school, and I think he's kind of corrected that. I don't know if they've worked with that, but it's it doesn't seem as prominent. Not that it was, like, extremely noticeable, but it doesn't seem as prominent. I think he's putting good velocity on the ball. He's not putting as tight a spiral every time like Nick Starkle is, but I think he's throwing the ball okay. I mentioned Bo Limmer earlier. Brady Latham has done something. He saw some backup work at left tackle also. Uh, so, Brady Latham. I, and I've heard behind the scenes that they think that not right now, but in the future – that Brady Latham could be a potential starter for him. I mentioned Dylan Rathke a minute ago. Of course, the junior college guys, Myron Cunningham, you know, they're working him both both left and right, some with the first, some of the second, some of the third team, just kind of all over in the same with Chiboisi and Juana. I do think that, that Cunningham is going to end up starting for him. Ricky Stromberg we talked about. Zach Zemos is skinny at 6'4", 210, but very athletic. And I'm told by some people they think that he might be a real player for him too. I could actually see him playing some on special teams for him this year. Uh, Marcus Miller, as we mentioned, Marcus looks good, 6'5", 300-pound kid. Enoch Jackson, 
six foot two eighty. I think he's listed at three hundred on the on the current roster. But I would I don't know if I would say he's quite six foot. I think he's a little bit under six foot. Uh, Torian Carter came back from a, a little bit of a shoulder. We mentioned Mateo Soli. Zach Williams has done some good things too. I mean, he's just he's got to add some more weight before I think he starts contributing. We talked about Eric Gregory and Colin Clay, Devin Bush, Gregory Brooks Jr., Jalen Catalan, and we mentioned Malik Chavis also. Okay. I think it's time to bring in my man, Pete Roulier. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How we doing, Trey? What's up, Pete? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Good deal. So I just kind of ran down a few things with, um, you know, where the the true freshmen stand right now. And, uh, yeah, just talked to, you know, we went over a few things like the schedule and, and uh, for 2020, Rice being added to the schedule for 2021. Mm-hmm. So we've gone over a few things and just kind of wanted to ask your impressions so far of uh, the first six practices, I guess, of uh, fall camp. Well, I think a lot of things have gone the way we thought they were going to go in terms of what we predicted. Uh, starting with the main story, the quarterback battle, Nick Starkle looks every bit as good as we thought he was going to be with the effortless throws and the tight spiral and just his size. He looks like an SEC-style quarterback. And Ben Hicks has been taking the first group reps. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks about the same as he did this spring, which isn't bad. He's getting the job done. Um, so that looks about the same. K.J. Jefferson's been impressive at quarterback. I think um, the difference, Pete, with the two quarterbacks is just looking at – I mean, Starkle's got the talent edge. I mean, that's that's been obvious. But, I mean, you never know really what you got until the bullets start flying. And that's going to be big on Saturday scrimmage. Absolutely, yes. But like you said, um, just from day one, just watching all the quarterbacks of the football, you can definitely tell that Nick Starkle has a talent edge over every quarterback in that room by a pretty large margin. And then uh, another impression is just the freshmen, like you probably said you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, their size and their strength and their talent um, has been pretty evident so far, uh, especially those receivers, just watching them run routes and get along with those quarterbacks is it's it's a lot more impressive than anything that we saw last year i think in, in my opinion um i would i would team. also clarify before you say that he's got a clear edge and talent above all the other quarterbacks because we haven't seen you know kj brings the legs to the equation and nick doesn't really have that but kj throws a pretty good ball it hasn't been as crisp and tight and quite the same velocity but good velocity on it um, so I don't know if I would say he's got a clear edge on every quarterback just because – but K.J.'s certainly got, you know, further to come as far as just being a true freshman. That's a good point. And McTelvin again did mention that he's probably one of the scarier quarterbacks just because mm-hmm. he has the ability to take off at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Pete Roulier joining us here. You can read all of Pete's stuff at hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Pete has been with us since February, I guess, so uh, a good amount of time. Covers baseball, basketball, recruiting, chips in on recruiting, and, of course, uh, spring football. It's kind of all hands on deck stuff. If you want to read his stuff, go to H-A-W-G sports.com. Does a kind of a mix of some free content and some VIP stuff. I want to remind everybody again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take a minute and throw us five stars. Throw us a review if you like the content that we do. Right now, I think we're rated five stars on on uh, Apple Podcasts, like 134 reviews, and we'd certainly like to have more available on Stitcher and Spotify, Megaphone as well. Facebook Live, we always stream live, hence the name Hog Sports Live. And, uh, of course, YouTube, hit that notifications bell and subscribe also. So, Pete, any freshman that you would say stand out above the rest right now? I kind of gave my opinion a minute ago. Yeah, you went with K.J. Jefferson, um, or maybe you said somebody else before. Let me think about that for a second. I think probably Traylon Burks right now um, stood out. Is that the guy that you mentioned earlier? I mentioned Traylon Burks. I mentioned, you know, Trey Knox, of course, Traylon Burks, Hudson Henry, Jalen Catalan, Mateo Soley, Colin Clay, uh, Gregory Brooks, Devin Bush. There's been a lot of them, man. It's good that there's been a lot of them. I think the the phrase that will get you is they're loaded with – talented young talent young talent is like a reason to get excited and a reason to be concerned you know because yeah no i I know exactly what you're saying did you mention marcus miller marcus miller yeah i talked about him a little bit um and he's been impressive too i you know with those with those big dudes i want to see them in full gear you know going live and we just haven't really seen a whole lot of live stuff in the time that we've been allotted well, so how about this? From the live stuff that we have seen, mm-hmm. uh, the media has seen, I think the one that stood out the most is Jalen Catalan. Gets yeah. the playing time at, at safety. He's done a really good job. and He's got that ball hog mentality. He's taken two to the house. Uh, we saw one in practice. Mm-hmm. And he, he looks the part. Um, his guy's older brother there, too, retarded kicks, Kendall Catalan. So there's two newcomers to the Catalan name. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Catalan looks like he can play some ball. Um, I don't know about if it's going to be immediately, but that second area is so young, and mm. they're going to have to have somebody contribute. Um, that's a freshman. Greg Brooks is most likely going to start at that nickel spot, and uh, Jalen Catalan's probably going to work some nickel as well. So I think probably going to see him next year. I think Catalan is going to end up being – you know, working with the second group and probably starting their dime package when everything's said and done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to give everybody a look. There's a seniority of it as well. You know, guys coming back and they were in a role. So it's almost like you kind of got to earn it as freshmen, but it's been, it's been pretty obvious. I mean, the kid has two pick sixes and back-to-back practices. We know what Chad Morris thinks of him as a recruit, calling him one of the top five high school players he's ever seen. So I think it's just a matter of time before we see Catalan. We're going to see Catalan, Greg Brooks, Devin Bush, um, and uh, uh, Malik Chavis, and I'm am I leaving somebody else out? But we're gonna no, see we're gonna see all those freshman D backs this year. They're gonna it's gonna take twelve freshman D backs just to get through the season. So we're gonna see all of them. I mean, there's there's twelve scholarship players. So. Speaking of the secondary, um, the guy two guys that are playing corner right now. The sophomores, Jarquez West McClellan and mm-hmm. Monterey Brown, have really impressed me. Yeah, Brown it seems especially. like they've impressed really. Yeah. Everybody else on the team, Dave Yon Warren said something really interesting yesterday. He was talking about lining up, um, how the receivers lined up. That, uh, um, Sorry, McClellan and Brown have been telling them, I know exactly what's coming just by yeah. the way they lined up. And for Brown to be able to do that as a safety move to yeah. corner already, that shows the um, 
maturity that he's got as a quarterback. Yeah. The, also, the problem with that is you're going against each other, you know, and you, you get to a Absolutely. point. You get to a point in camp where you where you know all the offenses plays, you know, and because you're not really working on an opponent, you know, when I'm working with a scout team, you're working against off, Arkansas's offense running the same plays that they've been running since the spring, you know, and you know the wide receivers' tendencies and stuff. So, you know, that's there's a bit of a disadvantage in that sense too, you know, just going against each other so long. But it won't be too long before they, you know, start maybe getting a little bit of work on some future opponents and stuff. But Monteric has drawn some good reviews. He had six interceptions in the spring and hasn't had uh, hasn't had any interceptions yet. But, uh, you know, he's chomping at the bit too. I thought it was interesting that him and McClellan are roommates and really just hit it off on that January 20th official visit weekend back in 2017. Been like best buds since then. So And now they're starting uh, across from each other at cornerback. So, and that's got to help Brown with McClellan being able to help him out with the quarterback, especially after that move from safety. Yeah, let's see. Matt Bohannon says, I don't know. I know they haven't tackled you much, but how is the physicality of practice look compared to last year? I mean, I think they've done some some things like that, but I would say the thing that stands out to me versus last year, I just it felt a little chaotic last year. Like players didn't know quite what to expect from the coaches or, or where to go. And, you know, even Morris kind of was feeling his way around first practices and so the difference is this year everybody seems to know where to go I feel like there's more of a a community connection feel like the players are enjoying themselves more last year I felt like more like you had a bunch of players out there and now I feel like you've got a team out there and it's been it's been different to me what do you think Pete well yeah that's a huge difference and you're right practice has gone smooth um if I try to think of something that hasn't exactly gone the way I thought it was going to go. Um, let me see. I, I think that the offensive line um, with that Noah Gallon injury, I think mm-hmm. the only confusion is who, who they're going to put at that right tackle spot. So they've yeah. been trying out some different things there. But in terms of the practice running smooth and players knowing their positions, I think it's gone. I think it's gone really well. Yeah, the Noah. I, I mean, I think they lost a starter probably with Gatlin, with losing Gatlin. I mean, but the good news is for them, if you can put good news on it, I mean, they got worse losing Gatlin, but they're able to absorb that a little bit more. They've got some more offensive tackles, some more candidates to compete versus last year where you're talking about like eight guys total. And so now you've still got, what, 15 guys left after you lose Gatlin. So a better situation. Mm-hmm. Matt Bohannon says, haven't heard much about Bumper other than he's starting. How's he look? With the linebackers, it's difficult to say anything unless they get an interception right now. I mean, all the, those guys are about tackling, right? So Bumper is – the projected starter at weak side linebacker, and they've got Hayden Henry behind him and Grant Morgan behind Dijon Harris. But it's just hard to say anything, really. I mean, he hasn't had any interceptions uh, when we've been out there, but um, right. really it's about to all tackles. the other linebackers at uh, Media Day, mm-hmm. Grant Morgan, Scuda, and Hayden Henry. It's just about kind of the expectations that Gunner has as a, or, or Bumper has as a sophomore. And they really are, have been impressed with his work ethic through the summer. And uh, like you said, there's not much that we can draw from the first practices, but um, just the work ethic that he has, and he's, he knows the expectations. They, they believe that he can get it done, so they have a lot of faith in him. Here's an interesting question from Galen Brown. In the 60s, we were in the top 10 a lot. As you can see, I'm old. <laughs> last, last great coach was Holtz. <laughs> Is the new coach that good, or will I die at the bottom of the charts? <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty That's grim. Pretty yeah, yeah, pretty grim. Um, well, Galen, I, I just I can't tell you yet. I, I do feel like they're trending in the right direction. I don't. I think that they may end up having a better team than Ole Miss, and maybe another team. You know, 
And we've talked about what it means to take to take a step forward. First of all, it means not getting just slaughtered in games like the first quarter of games, and you know, not showing up to a game like you did in Missouri um, or you did at Mississippi State. Uh, so that's the first step: winning the four non-conference games and not getting slaughtered, uh, but also winning some games. I think that you really to say this program is heading in the right direction. You cannot go zero and eight again in the SEC. You got to win some games. So there's Ole Miss in week two. A little later, you got Kentucky midseason. Then towards the end of the year, you got excuse me Mississippi State and Missouri. Those are all games that I would point to as possibilities. Now, win two of those, and you get to a bowl game, and win your four non-conference games. There's no excuse this year for not winning those four non-conference games. I think last year's team probably could have beat these four non-conference teams. So, not necessarily a step in the right direction just by winning those four. No, I agree. And then if you want to get into it, the ones that I point to are. Ole Miss, Missouri, especially, and then Kentucky. Mm-hmm. The rest of those games don't really feel winnable at this point, um, unless unless you see something really special out of Nick Starkle. You know, if mm-hmm. Nick Starkle gets the nod and he becomes something that um, maybe is better than anybody expected, because I mean, he looks the part and he has the talent. So if he can if he can become that, you know, top tier SEC quarterback, then uh, maybe you win some of those games, but. I think Ole Miss is that one that's just the most important just because it's in week two. Yeah, week two. And it, 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 you talk about a boost of confidence for a team that, you know, has really struggled and, and just put a lot of work in the offseason. Off I mean, right now I think that's with Giovanni, that's 32 players that have left the program since Morse got here. A lot of those players probably needed to move on. Um, I do feel like there's just better cohesion out there with the team. And Trey Ballard asked, is the offense going to be serviceable and will they be able to march down the field and get the last score? that we will likely need to win close games. So I think they're going to be better. I think they've got some throw-it-up guys. Like Traylon Burks is a throw-it-up guy. Trey Knox, throw uh-huh. it up to him and let, it, let the guy make a play. And Arkansas didn't have that last year. I think one thing that you have to hope, Trey, is that Arkansas's quarterback situation was so bad last year that it just made everything look worse. That's what, you, that's what you're hoping because Arkansas has upgraded that position. They've upgraded pretty much everything on offense. I think the offensive line is going to be better even though they lost three starters. I think some new blood was needed. I've said that plenty of times. But uh, as far as marching down the field and winning some games now, Arkansas is playing in the SEC, okay? And they're going to run into some teams that are more talented and more experienced than them, teams that are worth, used to and know how to put, to, to put together a fourth quarter and go win a game. Okay, so that's what you're going to run into. What I say for taking progress, I said get you two SEC games. There's a, you know, Maybe you run into a team that's running through some turmoil or had a bunch of injuries or something, something just falls right, you know, something like that, aside from those four teams that I mentioned where you can maybe get a win. But get you two games in the SEC – and that's step forward. And then also, I'm not saying that you have to win a lot of games, you know, or win close games in the fourth quarter because you are going to run into these teams that know how to get it done. It is a learning process to figure out how to win a game in the fourth quarter. But get to the fourth quarter. That's a start. Get to the fourth quarter. Don't lay down in the first half of a game and it's just over, you know, like it was so many times last year. Thoughts, Pete? Yeah, he was talking about um, if they have what it takes to go down and mm-hmm. win, win in, in, a, in a fourth quarter drive. I think Arkansas has the weapons. I don't think that's a question at this point. Um, you can name a bunch of them: C.J. O'Grady, mm-hmm. um, guys out of the backfield that can make plays, um, and then they got the wide receivers, and then hopefully they'll have the quarterback. So um, I think it all comes down to the offensive line, and and, and really what matters about the offensive line is, like you said. 
can they even get to the fourth quarter? So I think it all boils down to if he wants to see a smooth offense and the offense the way that Chad Morris wants to run it, they're going to have to get the offensive line going. So Mark Rodriguez says, do we have a punter or uh, or kick or kickoff? Or do we have a punter or kick? off kicker yet <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it mark rodriguez they do have a punter sam Lloyd's name very pleased to see yep. him out there kicking the ball um arkansas finally has a guy that can hang it up there so that's good and then um as far as kicker and kickoff guy limper limper said he and coach true were in the uh, weight room all summer long just mm-hmm. working on strictly getting that leg strength up so he could get it into the end zone yeah limper has improved his leg strength each and every year and has been a very good field goal kicker for him so far so Burks is Joey Marsh says Burks is a beast. Can't wait to see him go off. Everyone points to Knox, but I'm more excited about Burks. I think you should be equally excited about those two. It'll be interesting to see back and forth which one of those guys has the better season, but I think both of them are going to have a pretty decent year for a freshman. Um, freshman record for catches is 37. I think we might see that go down this year by one of those guys. Eric, another common theme in that. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Another common theme in that receiver room, especially, is those young guys. They have definitely. 100% elevated the older guys' game. Mm-hmm. And it's it is constant competition between those receivers out there. And having guys like Nick Starkle and Ben Hicks that can actually get him the ball, like it kind of allows for an even competition. Yeah. It's not like one guy is having to play with a crappy quarterback that's a backup, you know, and they're not getting the same, like, quality reps. Everyone's getting quality reps, and guys like Jordan Jones, Davion Warren, um, Deion Stewart, they're all – stepping up their game and you, you can definitely tell so having those young guys in there definitely elevates up some good discussion back and forth between andrew sims and joey marks about the difficulty it might be to tell hicks that he he's not going to win the starting job i mean it might be he was a starter before he left a starting position to come and play in the sec um chuck weaver says i don't really care about how many games the hogs win uh, you will when it comes down to it chuck you know that uh, would love would love to see them win every game, but I just want improvement from last year, and I'm sure we will have a safe and fun season. Yeah, I mean, Chuck, you know, you're saying what you're saying. Chuck knows he's gonna be screaming at his television in a close game. You know, if, and if, they, yeah. if they lose at the end there. So, Absolutely. Uh, let's see what else we got. Is Boyd 100 percent, and how's that O line coming? Boyd looks 100 percent. I mean, he doesn't have any. I mean, he doesn't have anything on his shoulder or anything. So, uh, I haven't seen him get hit live yet. But um, from according to the coaches, he's 100%. Lane Davis says, where will Darius Bishop fit in this year? Do you see him on special teams? I think he'll play on special teams, but also he's going to be your backup right cornerback. I mean, he's going to back up Monteric Brown. That's kind of an interesting dynamic. You know, you have his roommate, Jarquez McClellan, starting opposite him, and then his old high school teammate, Ladarius Bishop, uh, backing him up. Yeah, this is definitely really interesting. And he feels like I feel like Monteric Brown's really going to be a guy to watch this season because there's just so much talk about him. Mm-hmm. And then the situation just fits for him. You said it, even like off the field, roommates with Jarquez McClellan. He's got Ladarius Fisher backing him up. It just seems like it's the right fit for him to be at Arkansas and furthermore playing cornerback instead of safety. Pete, you know who we haven't talked to in the secondary yet is Cam Curl. We haven't had him in the media room. And his dad, Coach Greg Curl, just uh, popped in and said there's a lot more cohesiveness, confidence of knowing what's going on. And that is something also that Joe Fouché said to me is just the communication back there is on a different level than it has been in the past. And that's where it starts, man. You've got to be good communicators. And not just like verbal communication, but nonverbally, knowing what your what your man is going to do next to you, you know. And so, you know, 
Cam is kind of the older statesman back there right now as a as a junior two year starter, which is I mean it's it's an overall young secondary. And you can tell they hang out. They put on put in the work this summer just by the way that they were ready to go day one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably credit to Cam Curl, who's the older guy, has been doing it for a long time. Actually knows what to do at the cornerback positions. He played quarterback before, mm-hmm. um, and you, you can tell he probably gathered those guys around and got them um, up to speed. So yeah, you can definitely tell there's a difference back there. David Shaw says Pete and Danny sound a lot alike on the radio. I guess that's a rising Batesville thing. You're from Batesville. Danny's from Rising. Is there any kind of I mean, you, those towns aren't anywhere near, near each other, but I guess the the same Arkansas accent. Well, a lot accent, of people maybe. say that Danny sounds like a coach, right? Yeah. Does that mean I does. sound like a coach? Maybe I miss my calling. <laughs> yeah. Coaching's a tough profession. It is a tough profession to be in. There was a, a podcast the other day talking about, like, 24-7 sports, why people who work in recruiting, you know, analysts there, why don't they uh, – why aren't they coaches if they know so much? about evaluating and stuff and I'm just like or, or why don't they work in the recruiting department at the university and I'm just like man that's a tough job I mean first of all Martin yeah. Simmons like for example makes a really good salary and has probably lived in the same city the last 15 years whereas Arkansas's recruiting director has you know like Taylor Edwards for example who's he's at, at uh, Maryland right now he was at Arkansas for less than a year and then he was at Alabama you know before that so two and a half years he's at three different places you know it's and coaches move around so much. It's a tough – like, they make a lot of money, but, man, you're at the mercy of the head coach, whether or not he's going to take you to the next level, moving all over the place. You know, if you're a good coach, you're going to move every two to four years. That's a tough profession. It's, yeah, but, and there's not a doubt in my mind if you want to get into that Bart Simmons could be a coach somewhere. Oh, yeah. He's Bart, one of the smarter, smarter guys in the whole entire universe. Oh, yeah, Barton, like. Barton played at Yale. He played quarterback. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Was he a quarterback uh, or safety? I can't remember what I, position he played. I thought played. he was a fullback. I don't know. I don't I don't remember what he was, but he, I know he played at Yale. Yeah, and, and who wants to tell Ben Hicks after he moved his life up to Arkansas that, hey, man, you're not going to be the guy if that situation does arrive. That's that's another tough thing that they get paid the big bucks to do, but that's, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want it, to – it's a hard profession, man. Yeah, it is. Um, Grayson Falia. I hope I said that right. Grayson Felia says, I think K.J. Jefferson gets experience in this garbage time against non-conference teams. Well, first got to hope there's some garbage time, first of all, and also other garbage time isn't the other way around. But I think that K.J. Right. gets some action. I mean, he can play. they can play him in four games. I mean, we were talking about that too with defensive linemen. You know, they have probably five defensive linemen that are ready to go outside the freshman and you deal with injuries and stuff. But if they work it right with Enoch Jackson, Torian Carter, Marcus Miller, maybe they could get it where they could play to those guys no more than four games and get through the season with redshirting them all. I think that would be a benefit. But I think they'll try to redshirt K.J. Jefferson. I think that's a smart move. Uh, but maybe get him some action if that's possible. Yeah, Jonathan Marshall is going to be key in getting those guys, those red shirts and losing Briston Gidry um, in the offseason. That, that kind of hurts. He might have to play – Maybe maybe pick one mm-hmm. one of those defensive tackles that's not going to be able to use that red shirt. All right, Preston Roy says KJ starts. To, Preston Roy is in love with KJ Jefferson. He has been all about him <laughs> ever since the last one. If KJ starts at least six games, Arkansas has a chance to go bowling. If not, dot dot dot. Uh, David Shaw says I feel like KJ will get in four games. I think you're right, David Shaw. I think when Arkansas. You the, when you watch the videos that we put out of KJ Jefferson, it's hard not to fall in love with them. I mean, I mean, he's got he's got a lot of talent. There's no question. It's just how far down the road is it? And I've always said it's it's going to take to take this offense to the next level. I think a dual threat quarterback is your best option, but that doesn't mean it's the only option. 
I mean, people used to say with Bobby Petrino that Ryan Mallett was the perfect quarterback for his system. Well, what was Lamar Jackson? Was he not the perfect quarterback for that system, you know? So, right, no, seriously. But at the same time, I think there's room for both quarterbacks. People always say that dual-threat quarterbacks are, you know, you have to have a dual-threat quarterback to beat Alabama and stuff. Well, Alabama just got whipped the worst they've ever had by, you know, a drop-back passer who's probably a next-level talent and everything. But um, you don't just have to have a dual-threat quarterback. Having said that, I do think this system would work best considering the players that Arkansas has – you know, unless they were to get to Clemson's level where they're, you know, have just monsters up front uh, holding the line for them. Um, KJ is a diamond of the rough, says Preston Roy. Just loves him. I like him too, Preston. I think you like him more than I do. Uh, Jimmy Davis says, what was your thoughts on where we will end up recruiting at the end of the year? Right now I think they're 30th. They probably – they got a chance to end up in the top 25 somewhere. Uh, they're fighting that 2-10. and 10. I think a lot could depend on that, um, you know, how things go early, particularly that um, – that Ole Miss game. Why redshirt him? They'll need him, says Preston Roy. I mean, I think if they end up going with KJ's, it's going to be – there's been a lot of trouble with the with the guys that they brought in. I mean, they brought in both those guys to compete for the job. Mike Posey says, I'm 69, same situation as the other guy. Not many years to see uh -oh. them in the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right, Pete, we've gone long here. We're 44 minutes in. As always, I always ask you if you got any final words of wisdom. Yeah, I was gonna go ahead and mention the breakout guy uh, okay. that I think that a lot of a lot of people are talking about, and that's Jordan Jones. Things kind of didn't go his way as a sophomore, but this this um, fall I've been kind of watching him, and he's he's catching with his hands, it's not his body. And a lot of people that was his downfall was catching with his body, not his hands. So being the fastest player on the team, catching with his hands. I, I mean, that's a loaded receiver room. It's not like he's gonna start or anything, but maybe expect a few big plays out of Jordan Jones. All right, Pete. Anything else? That's it, man. All right. Good appreciate stuff. you coming on. All right. That's Pete Roulier with hogsports.com. Pete does a great job for us. I want to go ahead and remind everybody there's plenty of ways to watch and listen and go to hogsports.com for all your Razorback recruiting news. And I want to thank everybody who just signed up. We ran a big promotion just recently, um, but it's still a great deal right now at hogsports.com. You can get 30% off if you sign up for an annual subscription right now, uh, or you can get um, – your first month for a dollar if you want to choose to go that route. So plenty of, 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 of options there. But since we made the move 15 months ago, we have, I think we've increased the site size 44% from where we were at at Rivals. Um, we're now the number 16th largest site in the 24-7 sports network, which uh, Arkansas shouldn't be there. And I, it's a testament to everybody jo joining on. And remind you one more time, Facebook Live, throw us that thumbs up if you're watching on Facebook Live right now. If you're watching on YouTube, also throw us a thumbs up. Make sure uh, you interact with the video, subscribe, and uh, hit that notifications bell so we you're notified every time that there's a new video. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take a second right now that the show is over and flip and throw us five stars. Throw us a review if you like the content. Let other people know to tune in. Help us get our reach out there. Same deal with Spotify and Stitcher. So that's everything right now. No media availability at practice today. We've got scrimmage tomorrow, but that'll do it for Hog Sports Live. Thanks, everybody, for watching.